1: Hello everybody, welcome to episode 20 of Vague Zone. I am one of your hosts, Daniel, and joining me as always is... Thomas Hey. And today we are discussing the 99 movie, The Matrix. We are starting our new franchise. Um, The way the show usually works is we'll watch uh, a a movie in a franchise every other episode, and for the episodes in between, we kind of just watch whatever the hell we want. So, we're back on a franchise run. And Thomas, uh, do you want to give us the synopsis for The Matrix, if you have it on hand?
0: Okay, so the synopsis on IMDb is a little bit different from the one that I read on HBO Max. And this says, When a beautiful stranger leads computer hacker Neo to a forbidden cyber world, he discovers a shocking truth. The life he knows is an elaborate deception of an evil cyber intelligence. Yeah, this is directed by... The Wachowski Brothers at the time and uh, stars Keanu Reeves and Lawrence Fishburne, Carrie Ann Moss. Yeah, this is a juggernaut of a science fiction action movie. I'm really happy we're doing this movie. Um, I guess I'll ask you first. What did you think about this on rewatch?
1: Um, I mean, it's like, okay, so... The 20th anniversary of this movie was last year and I went and saw it at a Dolby screening at dolby cinema okay. which was like i think it was the first time i saw a movie in a dolby theater and it's fucking amazing um but yeah seeing it like i, I watched it for the first time as a kid in theaters in 99 when it came out Oh, awesome! Um, and so seeing it 20 years later after having like worshipped it as a kid uh it totally fucking holds up it's like this is such a fucking good movie and it's really interesting yeah. so so yeah like you mentioned at the time they were the wachowski brothers and that's how they're credited in the movie uh they are now the wachowski sisters and so viewing it through the lens of you know this is a movie by two trans directors and this is Per, as far as we know, the biggest blockbuster ever directed by trans directors yeah um viewing it as a piece of queer cinema it it takes on a lot of new meaning um so yeah we'll probably yeah. we'll probably get into that but what yeah
0: absolutely I, I think that's one of the hallmarks of a classic film is when it's able to age well and age in a way that like continues with the conversation and i think I think in a positive way and a way that just is all about just a, a very elusive i don't know allegory for for that kind of uh, i guess yeah that kind of mental struggle yeah or i don't want to call it a struggle but that that you know that that life
1: yeah well i mean like so i think part of it at least if, yeah if we're looking at the matrix as sort of a trans allegory then yeah part it is the struggle of you know recognizing yourself and coming to terms with um a reality that isn't d- doesn't really fit for you, and having to make your own sort of or a- alter the state of reality to become uh, more accepting of you, I guess you could say.
0: Yeah, your own self-image. and Yeah, and that's one of the things I love about this movie is, yeah, I never like when I was a kid, I didn't see it in theaters, and so I just thought it was this really cool action fucking like you know action movie, kung kind fu of movie. And just knowing it through that and bullet time and just, you know, being kind of silly on the playgrounds, like, you know, imitating that kind of thing. And, yeah, as I grew up, you know, being like, yo, this is just like a a really heavy philosophical movie. And I think it wrote the book on blending all of those things really well, which is having the action, you know, coming from places of the philosophy and everything. It all works out really well and just... Yeah, just the style is just uh, it's just so so crisp and just so well defined and so thought out and storyboarded and everything is just dialed down to a T. And they, yeah, the Wachowskis they they knew exactly what they wanted, and this is like the first step of just a, a insanely massive vision. And yeah, it's it holds up. There's some parts that kind of make me groan a little bit, but overall, this is like just one of the greatest movies, and so I'm I'm stoked to talk about it.
1: Um, so you mentioned playing on the playground like what what sort of matrix like, games did you play?
0: yeah i guess because i was nine so or maybe even eight when this movie was like on the way to theater so i still wasn't able to see it because my parents were like no rated r movies and so yeah i remember yeah. being being back then like oh like doing the the bullet time and trying to be in slow motion and just imitating that thing because i remember the trailer so much and just um also parodies adjacent to the release or alex sort of after that being really big parts of my mind because yeah i was one of those viewers who i never really saw until a little bit later and then yeah as i grew up sort of yeah, appreciating it for the deepness of it but when i was eight or nine it was just this cool visual thing and uh, it still remains yeah. that to me because uh, yeah like just the shots yeah just are just gorgeous
1: yeah, it's still fucking... It's still, like, super fucking impressive. Um, and it's just a shame that it's been parodied and ripped off so much, because it's pretty hard to remove it from that if you watch it now. Um, you yeah. always have, like, the Shrek scene in the back of your head, and, like, Kung, yeah, Pow right. and yeah, Kung like Pao and stuff like that. Yeah, Kung Pao. Yeah, all that <laughs> stuff was,
0: like, also major parts in <laughs> major parts of my childhood Where that. It's like those jokes were just things that were just constantly in my mind, but I think it goes back to the point where this movie is just a modern day classic and uh, I was watching the behind the scenes documentary on YouTube and they I think it was Joel Silver talking about how this is, this is like a movie that is going to be a movie of this next generation and there's going to be disciples from this movie and I absolutely agree with that
1: yeah I'm really curious because I, I, I wonder if young people have watched The Matrix or because this like set the world on fire in 99 but then the sequels came out and they were Pretty lackluster, pretty disappointing, and so I remember people were expecting, oh, the Matrix is going to be like the Star Wars of this generation, and I think because it kind of fizzled out as a trilogy, that didn't really happen. But yeah, um, I, yeah. Think is achieved, um,
0: I think it has achieved, I think has achieved some of that in the way of just introducing this weird cyberpunk kind of, I don't know. Yeah, I think yeah, the cyberpunk visual language of just like the the sleekness. I think that's something that is. I don't know. I can't think of any other. I guess there's not another movies that I can think.
1: Do well, I mean, partic- I do think there is like a before and after Matrix sort of thing in American action cinema because it's like, yeah, you know, yeah. after the after the Matrix, like you said, the word sleek. Yeah, like after the Matrix, action movies became interested in being sleek and sexy. But before that, it was like, you know, it was like going to a biker bar. And then after the Matrix it was like going to a dance club, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: That's that's the point I was trying to make. Yeah, and it's that sort of visual language combined with just the incredible sharpness of the philosophy of it that I think it's one of those things that inspires some sort of tinfoil hat kind of thoughts that are even, I think, mildly acceptable, like in conversations that you would have with like a normal person, be like, Hey, like you ever just think about things that are like dream related and waking up you know we i've had this conversation with so many people this year with things related to like the coronavirus where we all kind of have this collective moment together and they were all like uh quote-unquote waking up or sort of like realizing things and talking about simulations and just like the mate the word the matrix is just kind of like in the culture yeah. it's like hovering above all this stuff and it's sort of it like it has its it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, what's it called it's sentinel tentacles attached to to little things and yeah it's just this is crazy it's just
1: yeah i think there are far more people who are familiar with the matrix than plato's the cave so it's it's an easier reference point um for you know that style of philosophical conversation about like to what degree is our reality just what we perceive and not necessarily an actual truth sort of thing
0: yeah absolutely yeah and then the actualization of it of through like the alice in wonderland thing that kind of leads neo into the matrix and then just the whole thing of waking up and just the rebirth like a very visceral and physical rebirth that he has to go through it's just yeah it's all just a really nice package and yeah yeah i have a a couple of things towards the end where i'm always like oh these things are kind of issues and then they become bigger issues in the later movies but overall yeah this is a super solid first installment and
1: Yeah, I mean, I think everyone has seen the movie, (laughs) so, like, I don't know if we need to, like, do the whole recap thing. Yeah, so, like, uh, yeah, maybe we just break it down by, like, kind of the sequences that kind of stand out to us. So, starting with that opening sequence with Trinity, um, there was, like, an urban legend that the Wachowskis were given a $10 million budget for this movie, and that they blew the entire budget on their opening scene so that they could show it to Warner Brothers and be like, look, this is what we can do. You need to give us $60 million. Um, I'm pretty sure that's not true, but I think the actual story... (laughs) I've heard heard that story. (laughs) Yeah, the actual story is that um, uh, they were taking a long time with the production because they had their actors learn martial arts for four months, and Warner Brothers was really worried about the scheduling, and they had already shot this scene with Trinity... So they uh, took it into post-production, added a bunch of special effects to it, and then showed it to Warner Brothers and said, look, this is what we're working on. And then Warner yeah. Brothers was like, all right, yeah, you're you're fine. <laughs> like, take your time. Um, so it was less about budgetary constraints and more about time constraints. Yeah, but,
0: definitely. Yeah. Oh, that, and I think it definitely pays off because, yeah, they think in set pieces. And so, yeah, it might take a little bit of time to sort of dial in the, the <laughs> all the martial arts that all the actors need to know.
1: Yeah, and so... Going back to this opening scene, um, it's basically Trinity facing down against a bunch of police officers until she's eventually running away from an agent. And so, this is the first time we get our bullet time effect where um, an officer is like putting her hands behind her back and then she frees herself, jumps up in the air, and then in slow motion, the camera travels all the way around her body and then she kicks him in, in midair. Yeah. Um, And so, so, yeah. (laughs) yeah, Go ahead.
0: I was gonna say, um, yeah. I just love this moment. It's a very uh, one of the. I keeps the word iconic kept coming up. because I was like, yeah. Yeah. This is a very a movie with a lot of just very clear images in my mind, and that's one of the first ones that we get is Trinity with like the. Like like the crane it's pose, like a crane pose. Yeah, yeah, like the crane, crane pose, yeah, airborne crane pose, yeah, the the crane pose, and then they use the the bullet time effect of all of the cameras in the room, just like uh, of I guess a hundred or so. Yeah, exultate. it's like stop
1: motion. It's just like each frame is a different camera traveling around her. Yeah,
0: yeah, just this fantastic thing. Yeah, just yeah, her uh yeah her leather outfit and just just suspended in the green. It just like hers is just, like, looks like a spider almost. She's like just cr- like crunched up and just like about to like kick him.
1: And I feel like there's even a sound cue that goes with it. Like, all of the sound shifts as the camera flies around her.
0: Yeah, yeah. But A um, a definite whoosh.
1: Yeah, and so this this scene and the ensuing chase uh, is very influenced by Ghost in the Shell, and so we're already getting the Wachowskis, like, pulling from uh, these more niche uh, influences. You know, this movie combines Eastern philosophy, it combines... Uh, anime it combines kung fu and it combines there's even a moment later in the movie that is just like some western bullshit where like um neo is gonna have a duel with agent smith you know the scene i'm talking about in the subway
0: yes um when, uh, when you say western i'm trying to think about what part of that fight you're talking about so
1: it's like before they actually start fighting each other um Neo's faced with the choice. Either he runs away from the agent or he fights the agent. And so he looks behind him and he sees the stairs going up out of the subway. And then he looks back and he's determined to fight Agent Smith. And we get this shot where it's sort of um, closer to the ground, the camera. It's a wide angle. And we see Neo's legs in the foreground, and Agent Smith gotcha, in the back gotcha. in the distance, like a, like gunslingers. Totally, totally. And there's even a newspaper that flies across the scene, like a tumbleweed rolling yeah, by. Yeah. And yeah. So it's 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 just such a fucking cool movie.
0: Yeah. They're yeah, they're fucking having an absolute blast with just everything that's going on within the frame. One of my favorite shots in the early part is trinity running up this fire escape and the fire escape is in the background it's like neon green and then we have agent smith's face just like up in like almost taking up the entirety when he turns around on the phone and yeah i just love just like the just small things like that and yeah just that first chunk of the movie is is extremely visual and yeah things that really stick with me are that and, I guess, the birth. Like, that is another part that always just really kind of gets to me because it just gets on the body horror side
1: of just... When being, Neo is awakened in the real world?
0: Yeah. If, uh, if if I'm purely thinking about, like, the first chunk of this movie before he, like, starts training and gets actually deeper into it, like, him waking up is always a part of that just sticks with me visually because, yeah, him in that sack of goo just like breathing for his life is always just like yeah fr- it freaked me that like freaked me out as a kid when i like or however young or <laughs> young when i saw it and then yeah seeing it now it's, it's very
1: hr geiger-esque and stuff yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah and then just the seeing all of the the other sacks that we eventually learned out to be just the farm of humans just a really yeah. dystopian strange thing to see
1: that scene, he always reminded me, I always thought he looked like Marilyn Manson in that scene where he's like completely hairless and he's just covered in goo. Um, but yeah, we get this great shot in that moment too where like one of the Sentinels comes and grabs him and we see his reflection in the eye of the Sentinel. Um, there's a lot of weird like reflections in eye work happening in this movie because we get that a lot with Morpheus and uh, his his green screen sunglasses.
0: Yeah, that happens early on in... Uh... The interrogation room, because um yeah, after they they come to the office, they chase him down. He, he like he goes out on the wind uh, the window seal, or yeah, he goes out on the, on, the on ledge, the side, yeah, on the ledge of the building, and he is like thinking he is on the phone with Morpheus and the, drops the phone and goes back inside. He's like, "Fuck this! Like, I'll just go and get uh, go in with them." And yeah, they're interrogating him, and this is one of the first shots that we get of a multi screen view or like a mm. a. a We're getting it's like a perspective of something that like is it's cryptic and mysterious to us at the moment, but it's a lot of screens and we're zooming in on just a lot of different versions of Neo, and then we zoom in on the, the one of him in the room, and then Smith comes in. And then that scene has he has some uh play with the lenses of the glasses where one on the one side is showing a little bit more than what's on the other side of Hmm. the reflections. And then they play with that more with Morpheus later on with the movie with like the pills and everything. And so yeah, that glasses motif starts pretty early. And I like that a lot.
1: And I think it's just reflections too, because there's that scene where, where he's first entering the matrix when he's, where he's exiting the matrix when he's being woken up and he touches the broken mirror that has morphed into a whole mirror. And then it starts to consume him so i'm not totally sure of what to make of reflections as a symbol in here um if we're tying it to the trans allegory interpretation then i think it could just be um the understanding of the self and the perception of the self and how neo so like one of the big things in terms of reading this as a trans allegory is that by the end of the movie um agent smith who keeps referring to neo as mr anderson emphasizing mr Uh, he's he's applying gender to him um as i'm doing right now by calling him him but um at the end uh agent smith has or close to the end he has neo in a headlock as a as a uh, subway is approaching and he calls him mr anderson once again and neo says my name is neo before you know getting rid of agent smith um And so it's about like deciding your own name and agent Smith is basically dead naming Neo and and Neo is correcting him. And earlier in the meeting during the interrogation scene that you were just talking about, uh, agent Smith tells him, Oh, you're, you're living two lives. Like one life is this office worker, Thomas A. Anderson. And the other life is this hacker Neo. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of like I, I was like looking into this. There's like a lot of really cool stuff reading this as a trans allegory.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then when he's approached by Trinity in the club, and yes, he, like like yeah, like oh yeah, like I thought uh, you're Trinity. I thought you would be a guy, and like all guys. She said, uh, does she say all guys say that, or like she said I like think she says
1: like most men do. Yeah, like um, most men. Yeah, most men do. And yeah, and that's then, one of then things from like yeah,
0: like they're yeah, we,
1: go yeah ahead. they're. Uh, I was gonna mention Switch, but go ahead.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a, a big, big, big part of that too. But yeah, that moment in the club is just nice. I, um, yeah, I was thinking about just the Alice in Wonderland thing, and they were talking about there. This is a movie where he just goes into this world where he is just told to like not ask any questions and just just like just to take these things and just to, to sort of follow them and follow their lead. And I, there's this very mystic. Also, yeah, it feels very, uh, yeah, I guess cyberpunk and very mystic with the way that, yeah, his like his body is a part of this this tri- like very gradual transformation that that involves just deep rebuilding of his organs and this like yeah, him being programmed in the in his mind and so yeah, just everything that goes from the yeah the Mister Anderson to the eventual Neo, where like yeah, he's beginning to believe and like. Actualize his true self or his, yeah, their true self. If yeah, and to, idea underst- too quick.
1: and to understand that everything around him, the, the reality around him is false and it is a projection. And so, like, the whole, like, there is no spoon thing uh, is that air you're breathing now thing. And it's when he stops the bullets at the end, he realizes there are no bullets. So, everything that we perceive around us, we perceive it to be true because we accept it to be true. But once we decide what is and isn't true, uh, that sort of unlocks the possibilities of the accepted reality.
0: Yeah, and uh, they do that so, so well with the end, just him casually fighting. And I wrote down how, like, his lack of emotion is sort of playing against Hugo Weaving's, like, just kind of brooding, getting like getting angry and angrier and like more expressive as the movie goes on. I thought was really interesting because i I've, like yeah, like Keanu Reeves a lot. Yeah, I'm one of those you know, modern Keanu Reeves fans. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Keanu
1: Reeves is great. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Keanu Reeves is dope. Uh, but yeah, there's some people that have the criticism of him having like robotic kind of acting and like having stoic expressions, like being on the stoic side and i think that like plays into his casting in this movie well in some ways when he's like mowing down the asians at the end and with the like the the gun and it's like his face is just like completely like emotionless and then it cuts to hugh uh agent smith and he's just like like his whole yeah. mouth is just like like gritting and it's just I, I love that like back and forth and yeah it's interesting yeah as he becomes more the one he like just kind of Calms down and becomes much more muted and slowed down, even in that last fight when he's just like very slowly doing the blocking and everything. Yeah, just the way they handled it, just like this, like the weight has been lifted. And yeah, it's really poetic and a nice, a nice way to tie in the choreography to what's actually happening to this character.
1: It is interesting that Agent Smith's performance, Hugo Weaving's performance, does get more expressive and human over the course of the movie where uh neos becomes more like yeah i guess just like calm and like zen
0: yeah Um, yeah he goes from being like really like erratic and doing like a kind of just a really confused surfer uh surfer hacker kind of guy thing like whoa i don't know like uh like okay i'm not sure but then yeah just kind of being just really zen is the perfect way to describe it.
1: Completely him. confident, yeah. When he's giving that little monologue at the end, yeah. Um, and that
0: last fight is fucking beautiful. Like, I, like that is one of my favorite things. When he's just like, when he puts his other arm behind his back and just starts doing, it yeah. With and he's blocking like, everything. I fucking love that moment so much.
1: <laughs> um, it the going from a surfer dude to going to Zen reminds me <laughs> of that Mister that Mister Show sketch. Where did you ever watch Mister Show? No uh there's like a sketch where bob odenkirk is a teenager in just like somewhere in the united states and he's selected as the next dalai lama the uh the uh what do you call it when they come back uh reincarnation yeah yeah (laughs) and so it's like the slow transformation this this dude to like a zen monk um that's amazing but yeah (laughs) anyway
0: um yeah, what's one of what's a sequence that kind of stands out to you?
1: I'm trying to think about this. Mo- oh, fucking Morpheus versus Neo, like yeah. that scene. So, so yeah, we think of this as being a huge action movie, but watching it this rewatching it this time, it feels like I mean there there is a sizable chunk of action in this movie, and it's incredibly done. But I was surprised how much of the movie isn't action, um, and this Morpheus versus Neo scene. It's so fucking good because it's just like it is using action to tell us something about who these characters are. Yeah. And so we get this great moment where Keanu Reeves is doing like um a, a Bruce Lee thing where he's getting kinda cocky and like I think he like thumbs his nose and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we get a great scene of Morpheus sort of he's sort of like I think it's called Top Rocking. It's like a breakdancing move where you're like shuffling your sheet side feet side to side before you get into like groundwork
0: um yeah i didn't know the term of it but yeah he's, he's <laughs> adding a lot of just like a lot of spice to his fight when he's just getting yeah just getting slowly schooled by morpheus
1: yeah and it's just interesting to see the the sort of shift of confidence that keanu reeves has that uh becomes cockiness which i love when he does that backflip that slow motion backflip and then morpheus just kicks him in the chest and yeah, ends yeah. it. <laughs> um but yeah then we end with that great line of is that air do you think that's air you're breathing now um Where it's like the it's it's Yoda shit, you know. It's like the the limitations imposed on you are imposed by yourself, and you need to you need to get over that. (laughs) Like it's all in your head.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and this is when we first when he first starts doing the free your mind, like his little mantra to him in this first like portion before he gets to you know actual Neo mode later on. When he's telling him to free your mind and just to like just let all of this stuff go.
1: Yeah, I feel like there's no reason Morpheus should work as a character because when you fir- when you get first introduced to him in that scene with the two chairs and the red pill and the blue pill, like that performance is just so serious and it is so. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It 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 should seem cartoonish, but somehow Lawrence Fishburne pulls it off. Like I remember in a directing class, I think it was in our directing class. Um, someone directed that scene from The Matrix uh, with with the two characters sitting in those chairs and a person just basically doing a Morpheus impression and it was unbearable. Um,
0: yeah, that sounds bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things where he has the charisma to embody this wisdom and, yeah, delivering this message in a way that is it is it's super over the top. There's so many over the top things in this movie. And, yeah, I think... That's one of the parts that, that works, because his entire speech just has, like, so much weight and so much connection to, yeah, I, I don't know, it's just, there's so many things that that he, like, touches on, and so when he's just telling me, like, to free your mind, it, it's little concise nuggets like that, but it's also just attached to this much larger philosophy, and, yeah, I think having the glasses on it, and it add, like adds, like, a, a... It's sort of like his mask a little bit, where, like, he's, like, not entirely of his face is seen, so when we do see his yeah. face, we do see more vulnerability, but when he has the glasses on, there's, like, that reflection, and so, literally, I spend... Every time I watch this movie, like, I tell myself, don't stare at just the reflection. Look <laughs> at the entire frame when he's talking, yeah, yeah. every time he's on screen, I just get sucked into those two black pockets, and he's just, like, just rattling on, and so yeah just just the way that he is framed helps just yeah add to the magnitude of what he's saying
1: yeah i really want to know like what the like the actors who auditioned for that role what they were bringing to the table and what that (laughs) looks like because it sort of feels like heath ledger's joker where it's like anyone else doing the same thing is just fucking cringy (laughs) like this guy pulled it off nobody else can do this
0: yeah definitely yeah, there's a different version of The Matrix. Yeah, that stars Will Smith as, as Neo. And Which is insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: But this version's so much better. Yeah, he so. turned it down for <laughs> Wild Wild West, right? Beliefs? So? Oh, yeah. He has such a fucking weird career. Like, it's just like an endless stream of just poor decisions. Because he, like, he turned down Django Unchained also. Um, yeah,
0: but the thing about that is I think about... I think about the matrix and i think about django and shane and i'm like i don't know if we'll like maybe there is a universe there's a there's a a portion of the matrix where that movie exists and it's fantastic but i don't know like he he kind of turned into a a more wholesome i don't know like someone not as edgy for yeah he's not at all and i yeah i that's that just might be except for bad boys Yeah, and not like I am Legend. I think he kind of he has ways to do it in a brooding way, but for for these things, they just work with Keanu Reeves and uh, Jamie Foxx, respectively. Yeah, but yeah, I think yeah, thinking about Lawrence Fishburne, yeah, I think he just him his casting is is very key to the delivery, and it, it kind of ties into the whole like. Uh, wise black man trope, but I think this this movie yeah, fucking gets yeah, this movie fucking gets away with it because it like the philosophy <laughs> is fantastic,
1: <laughs> and it's like I don't this movie it's I feel like it's pretty multicultural the um the like team of the Nebuchadnezzar in yeah. a way that like I, like I don't know what it was like in ninety nine I mean I, I was a kid but I feel like it wasn't as much of um, a virtue as it is now where all of these studios are like oh you know we want to make sure everyone is uh, we have like a very diverse cast i think it's just the keys were tuned into something because maybe because they're trans and yeah absolutely know, like um they're like more tapped into the quote unquote counterculture and Oh, I mean just the fact that they are in like anime and like cyberpunk and shit like that. These are nerds. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, totally, totally. they're go- they're going to be more tapped into shit. Yeah. Yeah, they
0: yeah, they totally do do fucking due diligence in this movie. And yeah, the the crew of the Nebuchadnezzar is awesome. Yeah, I like Tank a lot. I like um later on, he later on um Link. I love Link as a character too. So yeah, there's there's really good uh, is in the, Oh, is that in uh, the sequels?
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Link. Yeah, he's the one who re- replaces Tank because Tank couldn't come back, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. He asked for too much reason, money. I'm pretty sure that was that was the issue. God damn it!
0: it always oh. comes down to the budget. But yeah, in this movie, he's good. Uh, yeah, he's older. Yeah, that little ragtag group that they have is is really nice. And the scene in the diner where they're talking and he's like trying to pimp him, this like digital person is like, yeah, uh, it's yeah. really weird and like like really oh. strange
1: and yeah. then yeah and then we have switch that we're uh brought up earlier who yeah. originally it was supposed to be i think it was supposed to be uh an actress a woman in the matrix and then an actor uh in the real world so Correct. so the, the name yeah. the name switch is actually referring to the fact that uh they appear to change gender uh, whether they're in the real world or in the matrix and I think the studio thought maybe that was too confusing or it would be too much work to convey that when it's not really, um, supposedly not really tying into what the movie's about. But, you know, in retrospect, maybe that is <laughs> exactly tying into what the movie's about. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. But, uh, but so, yeah, so that ended up of, getting cut.
0: Yeah, the themes of transformation and, yeah, rebirth. And, yeah, I think that would have been fantastic. And the. Yeah, the Wachowskis—they've even like sort of commented on the fact that yeah, like they weren't quite fully, maybe they weren't even quite fully ready for it. But the fact that the character is killed in the movie is like they, like they sort of wrote them out as opposed yeah. to keeping them around. I mean, maybe that's not their choice. or Maybe it was like you know studio telling them to stop. But yeah, just just not actualizing to the to the fullest. And so yeah, it's the the addition of Switch is really really interesting because. Yeah, like, uh, their character is dressed in white when we finally get the, like, full team going into the Matrix. And so it's like, they always like, kind of have, like, yeah. sticked out a little bit. It's like, I mean, like, being, like the, the streaked blonde hair and, like, yeah, the full white suit and everyone else is kind of, like, in black. And, yeah, even, like, watching it back then, I was like, okay, yeah, I feel like this is, like, they're making this person stick out, like, in a way that yeah. is, in, in terms of basic color, like, very obvious. Yeah,
1: they might as well, like, have signs on the screen of like arrows and stuff
0: yeah and then while we were watching it this time i was literally almost like i was all so fucking sad when they die when they're like not like this not like this because it made me think of like what if you know that body was not how that person theoretically wanted to die and you know that you know they want they were one person and, and saw themselves as another person and they don't want to die while being in the
1: the they would, then, yeah, you know. they would prefer to die in the real world.
0: Yeah, something, or, you know, kind of just playing with that, that, uh, that philosophy, I guess, I don't know if philosophy is the right word, just playing with that fucking idea is just, it just really got to me on this rewatch. I was like, holy shit, just like, just, yeah, just, <laughs> it really hit me. I was like, damn, like, I, I think there could have been a lot more character and a lot more really, really, interesting things with that character and yeah I'm like stumbling over my words but yeah that was just like it it just stuck out a lot more on this rewatch
1: um yeah but like going back to the trans allegory thing which I keep (laughs) going back to um there was also like I was like reading up on it because there's been like multiple articles and essays written about this um but a couple other things that I hadn't well this is something I had noticed this time around is that I think the first text that appears on screen when this movie starts is the phrase "Call trans opt received. So Hmm. the second word in the movie is the word trans. Um, And maybe it's just a coincidence, but like there's also something that people have been reading into, which is that towards the end of the movie, when, uh, when Neo is giving his speech over the phone, we are presented with all of this green text on screen, like green code and a message pops up that says system failure and the camera is sort of flying into the code and it flies into the message system failure and it enters the words right between the letters m and f which you know medically are attributed to male and female and the camera travels right through the middle of them (laughs) um when neo has ascended basically so maybe yeah, that's just yeah, a little coincidence or something, yeah, a, but it's pretty yeah, fucking that's, cool. That's,
0: yeah, that's a really cool detail. Yeah, like the end of the word system and the beginning of the word failure. So it's literally between like the M and the F, but also in between the two words as well. Like, damn, yeah, and then yeah, and
1: like what do the words system failure bring to mind? Like, yeah, we've, yeah, we've, yeah, we've, yeah, This like, whole movie has been about um, you know transcending the boundaries of an imposed reality um, and. When we convey that, uh, you know, that transformation, we are doing it by traveling through system failure, traveling through MNF. So, yeah, pretty neat. Yeah,
0: that's a fucking really good point. Damn, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's one thing about this movie. It's, yeah, every time I watch it, there's just so many other things to think about. And it's just so thought provoking every time I watch it, just for different reasons. And yeah, that's that's fucking amazing. Yeah, I feel like yeah, that, yeah. That, I think that is something that I could feels like could be intentional and in uh, a way for them to to find ways to make I don't know compromises and hints and you know. Yeah, find I mean, ways even to, to get to get that in the movie, even if it, it's not like a major character.
1: Yeah, and even if it's accidental, like even if this wasn't like yeah, 100 yeah. intentional trying to convey a message, it's pretty fucking extraordinary. <laughs> like it's pretty cool yeah. that like these things are in there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, the whole cypher thing, like the whole cypher like killing the crew, it do you think there's any like clunkiness to that? Because like I I guess I like I like the whole backstabbing thing and him taking out the crew and it's done in a really creepy, malicious way when he's like he like gets on top of Trinity and gets on top of Morpheus and he's just like just like
1: Unplugging yeah, I'm just, people.
0: Yeah, unplugging people and fucking killing people and I I like that the tone of that and I, I it's sort of eventually matched well not matched but there's also this stuff at the end with the sentinels coming and attacking them and so yeah just a lot of the action that's not inside of the matrix that's like inside of the nebuchadnezzar it, it gets a little sometimes i find myself drifting away mentally sometimes while watching those parts because uh, they're just not maybe as visually interesting to yeah it's a lot things more that are,
1: dull yeah. i guess
0: yeah like especially when it's like the Nebuchadnezzar flying around and doing stuff in the mm-hmm. world that is like the destroyed human world that is you know the machines you know the battle the war all that shit it's a lot of just like empty corridors and dark like kind of weird shafts then every time I'm watching this, especially in the later movies, I'm like this is just like i I don't know what's really happening and it's really it's it's a little hard to 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 like for me to focus during those parts, I kind of zone out when I'm watching the Nebuchadnezzar fly around and just like do stuff like the whole EMP thing. Like, I just like, why is this like all that machine stuff? Like, I understand that there is this, there has to be, there is, is a large allegory about humans versus machines and artificial intelligence. And just like the human body versus the artificial and all of that shit. And so having these little squid things attacking the ship to get into the, to get to kill the crew, is another form of that battle that is, you know, happening that gets way blown out of proportion towards the end of this trilogy. But yeah, in this movie it's just like, yeah, it feels kind of clunky. And I don't like I, I, every time, yeah, every time the Nebuchadnezzar is like flying around and those sentinels show up, I'm just like, okay, I think I'm gonna go
1: get I a mean, like, of water or something. <laughs> well, it's intentionally contrasting like how shitty the real world is compared to the Matrix compared to the computer Fair And I think <laughs> yeah, it's just. You know, if you're watching something shitty, it's it's maybe part of your brain is like, all right, I'm not enjoying this.
0: I that's a, a really good point, yeah. Because everything inside the Matrix is just everything that takes place inside of those moments is just like fantastic and just like it just draws me in and like I just get lost in it. But yeah, every time they go into the Nebuchadnezzar or like yeah, I have it flying around, I literally am just like I'm. Could care absolutely. I just have no interest in watching that kind of stuff.
1: And I think the Nebuchadnezzar is is also uh, like a pretty claustrophobic space. Like we don't we we see occasionally on computer monitors that it's like there's all these different sectors. Like once the um sentinels start attacking, but it really feels like we see two, three rooms. Yeah, like
0: there's there's like the the chair room. There's the, the
1: the little mess hall sort of thing yeah
0: yeah, it's like the chair room the mess hall and then some beds and that's about it
1: and like uh neo's room and the place where he gets acupuncture (laughs) and like a lot of it feels like one large room like yeah and so i like
0: the design of the sentinels i think they're very creepy but yeah i just think just that space is just a little underwhelming and just kind of drab to watch and of all of the visuals and cgi in the movie that's just A piece that I don't think has aged very well. Everything else I think holds up fantastic, and it's like even the the helicopter crash is just like oh my god, just incredibly striking. Just to see like the ripple effect on the window every time.
1: Probably the coolest shot I've seen in a theater. Like so, like when I saw it on a Dolby screen. So jealous
0: you saw these in theaters. I've never seen any of these,
1: dude. (laughs) Yeah, when it when it was re released in Dolby, man. Have you seen a movie in a Dolby theater?
0: i don't think so not like because it's like, a like dolby specific theater
1: i think those yeah i think because i think tickets are like 25 dollars or something ridiculous like that but i had the amc A list i tried it out for a month or however long you yeah. have to try it out and you could see dolby movies like as part of the subscription like it, it's the same as any other movie so yeah, like i true. went and saw matrix and that scene where the helicopter explodes and trinity is hanging from a rope and she swings at the camera and like smacks some glass that's in front of the camera the fucking coolest thing i have ever seen in the theater yeah so fucking grand and like, so fantastic the sound system's so good you just like fucking feel it in your seat it was it was rad and like i was a huge fucking dork too because i uh drove to the theater i put my sunglasses on for the <laughs> for the drive there I get there and I'm like, "Fuck! I forgot normal glasses." So I was watching The Matrix with sunglasses on because they're prescription, (laughs) and like I wouldn't be able to see otherwise. So yeah, I felt like the biggest nerd in the theater. Nice.
0: (laughs) The actual, the actual outfit on. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, there's just yeah, that entire last sequence is fantastic. And I'm actually I need to correct myself. I saw one of these in theaters, and that was uh, the third one. But yeah, I've I've only seen yeah the the first two like in. Home settings, and so yeah, I, I would love to see that. Like, is bigger on the big screens. This is the mm-hmm. biggest screen I've watched on was on, when I watched it today. But yeah, the the last portion of this movie is just one of my favorite parts. It just it just blends together so well, and yeah. Uh, besides, I think everything's besides just the part where they're flipping. hell how do you feel about the uh, what's it called the courtroom? Not courtroom the the first section of the office fight when they're co- when they come in and they like go through the metal detectors and they're like doing the like the flipping through like the. I mean that, is, that was here, this, the that lobby. was the scene
1: to watch back in the day. Like, yeah,
0: every like when I watch it now, like, like I.
1: Is it a little too like mass shootery or what?
0: Um, like a tad. I definitely <laughs> think about it now just because, because you know, just the world we live in. I've you know. Been aware of these news stories and they're, they have they've happened and gotten in some ways a lot worse in recent times and so i think about like just the acuteness of the energy like of the imagery and how specific it is about yeah it's like just the boots stepping in and just like just yeah. the duffel bags full with guns and just like yeah, yeah it is a little it's gratuitous very... in that sense and it, <laughs> it's fetishizing it's, yeah yeah, and it, it is a interesting contrast to just the absolute grace of the martial arts in this movie and there yeah, I don't know. Um yeah, it's it's very brief and yeah, it it, it is a little weird to me cuz yeah, now that I've seen so many yeah, parodies and other things that like maybe it is, I don't know if they've they haven't like lessened the value of watching the scene but like it's my least favorite part of that the web. lobby scene yeah just like when they like are like doing the like the slow flips and going through things i'm like like okay i like it like there's some cool shots like when neil kind of like kicks a dude and like lands in a really good pose but yeah besides that it's kind of just like a mess of just like there's like a lot of rubble and stuff and I'm kinda yeah like, okay it's just like
1: a little can a you little imagine silly. <laughs> every time i watch that scene now after having gone to film school i just think of like Imagine having to do a second take in that room, yeah. <laughs> like having to reset all that shit. Like, it's like, well, see you in two days, <laughs> like, yeah. See you in a week, like, it's just yeah. Hopefully, intense. we nail it next time. Um, yeah, yeah. No, like I'm, all I'm of that
0: marble. Just
1: get. I'm totally fine with that scene now, um, for for sure.
0: Yeah, like, I, I like, yeah, just other parts of the sequence a little bit better. But yeah, that's that part is just a little. It just seems a little goofy in hindsight.
1: Yeah, I mean. Like just even like the leather and latex and the sunglasses, yeah. like that has kind of aged weirdly, um, and and I wonder like if I was an adult and I saw this in ninety nine, would I think that was cool or would I think it was kind of cheesy like the the aesthetic of the Matrix? But um, yeah. I don't know. It's just like I guess now I just kind of view it as a time capsule, and it still works Absolutely. for
0: me. Yeah, it's all a complete package for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, one last thing I want to mention is gloria foster's performance as the oracle which is like she should have gotten a best supporting actress nomination for this performance yeah i agree because it is like it feels so different than everything else you're getting in the movie and i don't know it's it's the best performance in the movie it's the standout of the movie and it's a real shame that in the sequels she she had passed away and so they had to recast her
0: Yeah, it's a, yeah, really, really good, really good scene. And yeah, the tone of it is just very, yeah, I think it's attributed to her performance. But yeah, the tone of that scene is just, it feels very, like, delicate, but also, like, Profound at the same time, where where like, yeah. you know, like drops the vase, and then she's like, "Well, you know, I was like if I didn't even mention it, like would you would if it had happened at yeah, all?" Yeah, that so is.
1: Like, here's what's gonna cook yeah. your noodle. I think is how she. <laughs> yeah, <it>. yeah, like
0: <laughs> it's like says that, yeah, in like a very like grandmotherly way, but it's a very profound and like you know deep vein of thought that's being introduced about you know if like if I didn't tell you about this possibility, would you you know would that have you know changed your actions or altered your actions in any way (laughs) yeah
1: um yeah and it's just so yeah especially that would you have knocked over the vase thing it's so playful it's talking about fate but in a very playful way that fucks with the character and it also fucks with the audience and I think but just like on the on the topic of like playing with the character and the audience I think part of why this movie works in terms of exposition uh is that this whole uh, so much of this movie is just fucking exposition <laughs> but yeah. like but it's just we keep coming back to this thing of no one can be told what the matrix is you have to see it for yourself so it wants to show you instead of tell you and the person it is telling is yes the audience but it is also telling our main character and like you like you keep saying it's a journey down the rabbit hole thing so we are right there with them and i think maybe this is part of why it's why Keanu Reeves works so well is he's he's a fairly um, you know understated to put it kindly performer so maybe it makes it a little easier for us to feel our own feelings rather than feeling what he is feeling Um, correct and uh, Emily and I we were talking about Christopher Nolan recently and she brought up Inception and like we were talking about how bad he is with um, gosh what's the fucking word I just said it (laughs) Um, exposition, uh, uh, how bad he is with exposition. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> um, and so the thing in Inception is we also have a character who is being introduced to the rules of of this world. You know, the same way Neo is being introduced to the rules. However, in Inception, it's Ellen Page who is a side character. She's not the main character. Her only function is to provide a way for the audience to be let in on the rules. And then after that, she might as well not exist. Because we 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 are not along for her ride. We are supposed to be um, along for Leonardo Cob, DiCaprio's yeah, ride. For Cobb's ride. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that's part of why that doesn't work. Because that has that always kind of been something I've thought about. It's like, well, why does Matrix get it right? How come they can do exposition well? And it's just like, I think it is just a matter of like, well, he's our main character. So we're right there with him versus someone else who... You know we're not necessarily emotionally tied to throughout the movie
0: yeah and yeah the performance of Keanu Reeves definitely holds it down too because he's very open to sort of this mysticism just like flying towards him and it, there's often times where he's incredibly overwhelmed by it but yeah he, he does in a way that is, is like human and but not too extreme in any any particular way
1: yeah and it's just and it's pretty normal hero's journey stuff too
0: yeah it was a, a note I was reading about like sort of androgyny and the marketing and how on the posters Keanu Reeves face next to Carrie Ann Moss's face where they're both kind of like almost made up to be sort of near identical to where it's just like like sort of like look sort of very, very similar. just um... like facial sort of stature and
1: connection. In the sequel, so there's a sex scene in, I think, in the next movie, and I actually heard someone describe it as being like from a distance, it almost feels like you can't tell whose body is, it, whose body <laughs> is who, uh, because they're just these both, like, slender white people with brown hair.
0: Yeah. Yeah, sort of is close to a, like, Generic kind of clean character slate. If you're like playing a video game, to like, okay, it's, it's going to be a, a template sort of character. So yeah. To speak. There, there's so many things about this movie that I like absolutely like. So yeah, I feel like we could. End this I mean, we could pick about like the small details about things,
1: and and just like the way it, it sits within pop culture. Like we could, t- like you mentioned, yeah. uh, the lobby scene makes you uncomfortable. Like we could totally talk about how. Uh, people blamed the Matrix for columbine and shit, and like yeah yeah
0: that 's the first thing I thought about when he when they're like going through the metal detector and he flashes the trench coat open, I was just yeah. like, yeah like ninety nine <laughs> that was the last time it was like really, really hot to go into like oh yeah i 'm gonna shoot the fucking place up, <laughs> yeah, and yeah um him being saved by, like, yeah, this, like, this this minigun infiltration it also stood out to me a lot this time watching it, yeah, because Neo's face in that scene is just, like, he's just completely just, like, no emotion. Yeah. He's just, like, just mowing people down, and yeah, and on the other side, it's, like, an actual, like, war scene with, like, the water flying up, and there's, you know, there's more, there's, like, shrap- like, pieces of brick and shit flying, and then, like, Agent Smith just, like, gritting his teeth, and I was like, yeah, like, just maybe <laughs> the 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 humanizing of one side versus the other is just yeah. it just stuck out a lot
1: um what have you been watching lately
0: okay so I guess I'm gonna talk a little bit about soul and yeah I watched that the other night with my parents and yeah interesting movie did you watch this movie
1: uh I'm gonna watch it sometime this week I did not get a chance to watch it okay
0: okay yeah I like it i I dig these later, heavier Pixar movies that are about existential things and emotions and just our bodies and our connection to the world. And yeah, I think the visual interpretations of those ideas were done really well. There's some weird, like, racial politics with it, but I think... I want you to watch it and then report back. Okay. I think it's a really interesting watch. I think the music is fantastic. It is one of the best looking like Pixar movies, hands down. Like it's just gorgeous.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping to watch it this week, and then yeah, maybe we could dive a little deeper into it next week. For sure. But yeah, watch
0: that, and then I watched uh, Wonder Woman. By any chance, did you catch that?
1: I did watch Wonder Woman actually. Okay. Yeah, I watched
0: that, and yeah, I thought it was. Uh, kind of on the longer side I think it has some interesting <laughs> things going on with it But yeah, I sort of kind of got Worn down towards the end of that movie But I think, yeah, Pedro Pascal Is fantastic, he's one of my One of my favorite new actors Or not new actors, he's one of Becoming one of my favorite actors of recent And yeah, him in the, in Wonder Woman eighty four nineteen eighty four 1984 is like just is So good, he's just hamming yeah. it up Yeah, he's, he's fantastic
1: <laughs> It's like this guy needs way more fucking interesting roles. Cause like he, I feel weird saying he's the best performance in the movie because it's like, I would like to say that a woman gave the best performance in a wonder woman, movie, but, uh, Pedro Pascal fucking killed it, man. Yeah. He's super good. Um, I think the movie, triple frontier. Sorry. Go ahead. Frontier. I haven't seen that. one. Um, he's in
0: that as well. (laughs) Another action movie. Um, yeah. Wonder woman,
1: 1984, It's a weird one. Like, I think I I, I overall liked it. I think it's kind of, you know, typical superhero fare uh, in terms of quality. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't... Like, I think... And I also think I just don't care enough to, like, really be too critical of it. Um, I think... Fair enough. I think the early... It's pretty cheesy early on And I guess I give it leeway Because I know that what it's trying to do Is it's trying to play around with the tone Of 80's movies And also play in a similar tone As the uh, Christopher Reeve's Superman movies Which I haven't seen yet But um yeah, same. But I like that it's Ultimately a, a, About a monkey paw <laughs> that yeah. That the villain Is a genie And that I really like the final act because it doesn't play out like most superhero movies. Uh, It feels very much, it's a a Wonder Woman movie. Like, I don't know how this movie would play out if it was a Superman movie or a Spider-Man movie. Um, So I think it's, yeah. I, I really liked the way the issues get resolved without spoiling anything. Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, I, I agree somewhat. There's, um, <laughs> I wasn't crazy about uh, Kristen Wiig's character towards the end, but I yeah. think yeah, the the buildup of the monkey paw and everyone kind of asking for their wishes was just like I just enjoyed watching that so much. Yeah. I just thought there was just like yeah, a little bit of bloat towards the beginning, and yeah, as someone on Reddit commented that like, yeah, if you're gonna tribute the '80s, why not make like a really tight short? Like punchy movie, like why make this really kind of like long, yeah, two and a half out. hour thing, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just like it's because every like, superhero movie has to, to, to be
1: two and a half hours now because they're yeah. they're supposed to feel like events. But we had an event on our couches because we couldn't go see it in a theater.
0: Yeah, that's the thing is I I want you to watch Soul, and I, I want to bring up the whole thing about both of these movies were meant to be released in theaters, but yeah, watching them at home has definitely made the. The experience has altered the experience ent- entirely. So,
1: and I'm wondering if audiences are more <clears throat> forgiving or less forgiving when they have to watch these at, at home. Because uh, I
0: think less forgiving. People were fucking ragging on Wonder people Woman. People are on hating Twitter. on
1: Wonder Woman. And I'm yeah, surprised because, think... like, I watched it and I was like, that's fine. And then I didn't read anything about it for a few days. And then I logged on to Facebook for the first time in a few weeks. And it's like, <laughs> people are shitting all over it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I was like, it's, yeah. I think it's yeah. It ties into that because we're watching it at home. I think we're we have the ability to get easy like way distracted. Sorry, yeah, distracted a lot easier. And I think, yeah, we're not willing to sort of give the benefit of these long-winded stories and give it the benefit of a doubt and,
1: let and them it, take their time. If you're watching with someone, you can you can provide your immediate feedback to another person. You don't have to wait till the end to you know say, oh, this is what I thought about it and. I don't know. I think like if yeah, you're forced to definitely. if you're forced to watch it all before you can speak to anyone about it, then you're engaging with it as one piece rather than within sections. Anytime you decide to look at your phone or, you know, talk to the person next to you sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Or just like turn it off. Like, yeah, on that last hour, which a lot of people were saying. And I was like, yeah, like you got to be able to at least get through the end to criticize the piece as a whole
1: well yeah i saw some people said they turned it off after the first half hour and yeah yeah. like the first two scenes in that movie maybe the first two scenes we have one that uh is wonder woman when she's a little girl and i think it's really well pretty well done scene um and then we have wonder woman as an adult breaking up a mall heist and the mall heist scene it's cheese to the max like (laughs) it is super kooky just like the criminals are a bunch of bumbling idiots uh there's a little girl that wonder woman she like rescues i think and then she gives her a little like shush to like keep quiet about what you saw today sort of thing and it's (laughs) supposed to be really cute um and yeah i can understand being put off by the tone when you watch that especially after that opening scene which tonally they're very different
0: um, yeah, I thought it was really, yeah, the, the, intro, the intro scene is getting a lot of hate because they're saying like, "What is the point of this?" And yeah, I it does it feel nice a little unnecessary,
1: good, but yeah, I thought it was good visual it's storytelling well done. of
0: yeah, yeah, of just like showing her character and just like this lesson being learned and how that's like a small, just little nugget of you know that lesson is carried over to what helps kind of actual like what shows up at the end.
1: Yeah, it's just it just feels like a little prologue sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I, th- I love the the feel of the 80s look, just like I think they got the the visual of it.
1: Yeah, really and really the whole nice thing scene. was shot on film, too, which the grain looks pretty good, like watching it yeah. on a nice 4K TV. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Like, I remember the trailer for that in theaters and really being excited just to watch it for that reason. And yeah, it still looked pretty great on my TV, which is not a 4K TV, <laughs> but yeah. Um, but yeah, what <laughs> what have you been watching besides that?
1: I think I just watched Wonder Woman and the Matrix. Um, oh, and like I said, I've got a PS5, so I've been playing a lot of video games. Miles Morales is fucking great. I'm, o- I'm already like 40% through, though. It's a very short game. Oh, um, yeah, it's really, really good, though. Like, way better than I thought it would be, considering it's, like, gameplay-wise, it's pretty much the same thing as the first Spider-Man game. But um, Yeah, that's
0: fine. I mean, if the engine works, you know, don't do too much, yeah, Right. Why- add a bunch of stuff to it, you know, just change kind of the skins and the, the stakes and the story yeah, a
1: little bit. They sh- not, I mean, they, they change up quite a bit. Like, like this one takes place in the winter, so there's, like, you get a lot of nice weather effects. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think they've just, like, uh, dressed up New York a bit. I mean, adding, like, holiday lights everywhere and so you get to experience the, the higher quality lighting that the PS5 can do. Um, and I don't know, and then Miles Morales he has like his electrical powers or whatever, and cloaking abilities. So they introduce some new abilities to change up the fighting a little bit. Um, okay. But yeah, it is kind of just you know swinging around doing the same combos you were doing in the last one. Um, but yeah, like narratively, I don't know. It's really there's a scene that like hit me pretty emotionally, and I'm not going to spoil it. It's pretty early yeah. on though um where miles is sort of the victim of a misunderstanding and i was surprised that it like worked on me emotionally um okay and so yeah i've been playing that and i've been playing demon souls which i i played like the first boss on the ps3 back in the day and i played most of dark souls never finished dark souls i've come to the conclusion that i will never finish dark souls (laughs) <laughs> um, just cause that's like I thought I was ready to like open this gate, and it turns out there was like one boss I forgot to kill, and so I was like, "Fuck it, like I'm 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 done. <laughs> like I've like spent my energy. I put like <laughs> sixty hours into that game. I'm like, I I've played enough. Like that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Demon Souls is fucking fantastic. It's it looks incredible. Um, and it's one of those things where today i was just itching to play it i'm just like i gotta get in there i'm like so close to this boss i just gotta go in there and fight this boss (laughs) and like nice nice and i i'm not ashamed i'm I'm looking at walkthroughs and stuff i'm looking at guides on like how to spec my character (laughs) but uh you know even even with the the added information it's still fucking hard it's still a nice challenge it's still fun to explore the world so yeah i'm having a good time with it
0: yeah, I'd say props to literally any gamer who has the patience to play those because I tapped out. Like I I tried to get past a, <laughs> one of the first bosses. I think it was in Demon Souls on PS3 and just got my ass handed to me. Yeah. And it, it's just a different type of gaming la- language I didn't really get used to and <laughs> I don't think I ever <laughs> got used to because, yeah, it's just insanely difficult. and yeah. yeah, I think it's fun to watch people play those the most because, yeah, the artwork of just the enemies and the bosses are just like just so
1: insane and i don't know there's just something about like i've never gotten so much satisfaction out of the souls games as i've gotten out of any other game like there's been times where i remember fighting a boss and dying over and over and over again in dark souls to the point where i was standing up like in front of my tv (laughs) with the controller fighting this boss and then like <laughs> raising my arms in the air when i beat them like hell it's, yeah. yeah the thrills are totally worth it um but yeah like if you need to tap out I after a certain it. point yeah tap out it's fine like i've caught i felt that way about cuphead <laughs> about about what
0: about cuphead, cuphead. about <laughs> beating beating bosses in that game because yeah. bosses were hard as hell and yeah and cuphead's
1: <laughs> nice too because it's like it's each fight is short enough that like if you die you don't feel bad just hit and restart like there's yeah, not yeah. Uh, not a, there's not much penalty really dark souls yeah, it's, yeah. the souls games is a little different like demon souls the levels yeah, are super yeah. <laughs> long so it's like i lose to a boss and now i gotta like kill 20 enemies before i can fight that boss again and it can be a little annoying but i don't yeah,
0: know yeah, that's that's for real that's a, a, a really big difference as opposed to just playing oh just press A to initiate this boss fight versus, okay, I need to... Yeah. Go down this path and get past it. That's how kind of like Hollow Knight is, which another game I've sort of tapped out on recently because there's some parts where there's just a, a really hard boss at like the end of a long road. And if I lose that fight, I have to like go down that road first. And yeah, yeah just the law of video games, like you get all of that adrenaline built up and then you get to that fight. You win, you're, a, <laughs> yeah. you're you're you feel so Maybe good. Not, in you're like, fuck it, <laughs>
1: tomorrow, <laughs> like dragon <Yeah>, tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> um it does feel good though to realize you're slowly sort of you know you're you're tightening up your run to the boss where it's like okay i know i can run past these first four enemies and then yeah you're like making choices about who you actually want to engage versus like who you want to skip and stuff and
0: yeah i feel it yeah i I definitely am curious to return if i if and eventually when i get get onto the ps5 hype i would love to to try it (laughs) Uh, yeah my friend and my, my buddy daniel he's a video game designer out in south korea and he just moved yeah. back recently and he's like yeah like there's ps5s all over the shelves out here i'm like let me just like
1: yeah <laughs>
0: just send one just send one over <laughs> to me <laughs> all right this has been episode 20 of vague zone um next actually you need to tell us what we're gonna oh, watch fuck. Next week i have no idea choice. i
1: have no idea what we're gonna watch next week all right so, it's all good so stay tuned folks
0: yeah, check out keep an eye out on Twitter. We'll let you know what the next movie we're gonna be watching after this first installment of the Matrix. Um so yeah, catch us on Twitter, Twitter at vaguezone email it email us at VagueZonePod at gmail.com if you have lists, suggestions of franchises or something like that, let us know. Yeah, I've been one of your ho- one of your hosts, Thomas, and with me always has been Daniel. Cool, yeah. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you on the next one.
1: All right, take care. Yeah. Click it to find me. Stop it.